This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Back with the sound and the fury, Anthony Fury from the Sun Papers, Andrew Clark, contributing writer for the Globe and Mail. Let's get to it. Andrew Shear, does he stay or go, Anthony? I think the formal thing that's going to happen, which is there's a leadership in April, and then he gets the opportunity to test his case and to argue his case to everybody, and then all the knives out from others, they get the opportunity to do their thing. I think that's the right thing. Look, it took John Diefenbaker. He ran for like dog catcher in a small town and he lost and he, he lost like 12 times and various things before he got in. Ronald Reagan took him three tries. Stephen Harper, he, of course, lost to Paul Martin. Then he won to Paul Martin, got to minority, went to the majority thing. So, you know, I think if Andrew Shear can prove that he's a long distance runner and now to to April is part of that run then there you go. If he can sort of fight the good fight and work the phones, and that's what politics is. And he, he doesn't seem like a classic master of that in some sense. Um, you know, the guy, the Jean Chrétien, who's, you know, buddies with everyone, is sort of always has a hand in every pie. But then at the same time, this was a guy who defied the odds beating this longstanding NDP MP back when he was, whatever, 26, 28. He wasn't supposed to become speaker. He did. Wasn't supposed to be leader. So I wouldn't count him out. Yeah, it seems like, you know, there's uh, less forgiveness these days. Like, everything is on a tighter, constricted timeline. You know, uh, you don't win the first time out. You're exiled off the island. Next, suivant, you know, you keep bringing it. <laughs> Absolutely. So, do you think, I mean, because what Anthony is saying here is, you know, this longer horizon or arc of uh, our career trajectory, there's no forgiveness anymore, is there, Andrew? Well, I, I think it's there's a lot of heat on him, obviously, and the question is, in, in two years from now, do we think he can actually do it? Are the things that made people not vote for him in those critical writings going to change? And I think that has to do with some of his positions on hot, like a, as a cliche, hot button issues, abortion, things like that. Whether they're real or not, the perception was there was something not to be trusted there. And if you look at, say, the Ontario uh, writings, it used to be the 905 was a battleground where uh, conservatives and liberals could sort of hash it out. Well, a lot of people who would have voted liberal in the downtown, they can't afford to live downtown anymore. And they're actually all moving out into the suburbs. That's changing the demographics of those voters. So that, I think, is part of the issue. Then the other one is, if not Andrew Scheer, who's been there, run an election, I mean, that's not easy to do. Regardless, then who? Who's who's next? At least with Andrew Scheer, you've got someone who's been in there and he's fought one. He didn't win it, but he might have what it takes the next time around. Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, I don't think anybody uh, surfaces just yet. I mean, Peter McKay's name got floated, unfortunately, during the campaign, uh, so that didn't help Andrew Shear's prospects. Uh, but let me pivot to something else, because, you know, this has now been rekindled as an issue, the carbon tax, and uh, where Doug Ford lost at the Court of Appeals level. They're considering whether or not they kick it up to the next level and uh, go to the Supreme Court, or is it a fait accompli uh, for all intents and purposes? Should he conciliate on that? And... Uh, should he fight it? I don't know. How do you see it, Anthony? I remember being at the Toronto Congress Center the day Doug Ford announced he was running for leader, and he got a lot of cheers from that usually diverse Ford Nation crowd that came out. The biggest, thunderous cheer he got, I'm getting rid of this carbon tax. That really, really inspires the people who are passionately against it. And the people who are for it are just kind of like soft for it. They're like, yeah, I want to save the planet. Okay, we'll pay, pay the carbon tax. He's got to keep going on this for political reasons and I think for authentic reasons too. I mean, Justin Trudeau supposedly a press conference to heal the divides. Well, this is an incredibly divisive thing. Forcing attacks on other levels of government who have both elected premiers, well, all three with Scott Moe as well, Ford, Kenny, and Moe, who have elected premiers who have campaigned on, we don't want this darn thing, and they win with a majority. I mean, 
I don't care what the courts say. The Ontario Superior Court says, okay, Justin Trudeau gets the green light. It's one of those just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. I think Trudeau should withdraw the darn thing and look at the various other measures uh, to deal with uh, climate matters. I mean, I talked about I like the the planting the billion trees kind of thing that he's working on. Right. Do more of that. Do do a whole bunch of R&D endeavors. Wouldn't that be perceived as a betrayal of the people uh, for whom this was issue number one? He tends to believe, or he at least said as much, that this is the big ticket item. Well, we got a big national unity problem on our hands because we've got people who agree with uh, Ms. Thunberg who says that uh, basically, you know, we got 10 years left and, and the planet's on fire. And we got other people who say, you know, to drill, baby, drill. We got to get the pipeline going east to west. And I, I hold that perspective there. So that's a, those are some pretty 180 views. You know, you mentioned Scott Moe, the Premier of Saskatchewan. Uh, I've referenced this a couple of times on the program in the last two days. He wrote an open-ended letter, and he basically is saying to Trudeau, uh, if you're really serious about wanting to make amends or, you know, reconcile things with the West, then uh, here are some considerations. And he talked about, you know, uh, opening up or renegotiating the whole equalization thing, you know, because I guess they're tired out West of uh, being patsies and having to send money to places like Quebec or through the federal government anyway, it gets laundered, goes to Quebec, they get $7 a day daycare, and uh, they're laughing and snubbing their noses at Alberta's aspirations. But he's also talking about uh, killing the carbon tax. Scott Moe, do you think that's anywhere in the plan? Anthony was just saying Trudeau could really uh, show good faith by killing the carbon tax. Do you think he's up to doing something like that, Andrew? Absolutely not. I have, I in no way think that he will ever do that. Um Again, I I don't think that that would be popular uh, with their constituency, um, regardless of people's views on the veracity of whether climate change is a real threat or not. Absolutely not. I think that the idea would be to pick issues that you can argue we tried. In other words, we we have no real um, intent of doing this, i.e. a pipeline. We're going to make it look like we tried and then pin it on someone else when it doesn't work. That's... uh, a creative way to run a minority government. Issue to issue. <laughs> issue to issue is what he said he's going to do. I've got to ask, uh, Andrew, I know you're also uh, somebody who directs the comedy writing and performance program at Humber College. Do we see humor in this one, or is there something that I'm missing here? Uh, story in your paper, Anthony Fury, The Sun, uh, where today it was uh, brought to our attention, Bed Bath & Beyond, selling... Halloween pumpkins or jack well, pumpkins rather, and uh, they were turned into jack-o'-lanterns by a law firm in New York, Nyack, New York, uh, and they were black pumpkins. And so, I guess, carved into a jack-o'-lantern, it was seen to be racist and uh, got flagged by uh, people with the NAACP, local branch, believing it was highly insensitive, can't believe Bed Bad, Bath & Beyond would actually be selling these gourds. <laughs> so I'm just curious now, uh, is there a point where they're right, or is this just so beyond the pale now that we've uh, found complaint in anything, including Halloween confections? Well, I mean, there's there's that aspect. There's also the idea that someone felt that the color orange was not good enough for pumpkins. <laughs> you know, it, I want to be in on that meeting. You know, pumpkins, everyone right. loves them. They're orange, mm. naturally. How about we go black pumpkins? Go with me on this. Like I, I don't that I don't understand. I'd have to see what they look like out on the porch, uh, but it seems kind of uh, weirdly uh, innocuous. Well, yeah, or maybe the complaint really is 
genetic modification here has uh, reared its ugly head, its pumpkin head. I always knew there was something fishy about Bed Bath & Beyond, but I could never put my finger on it. <laughs> and I don't think they sell beds. That's the other thing. There's the other chink in their armor. <laughs> Bed Bath & Beyond sells beds. It's all unraveling now. Uh, this is their hidden agenda. Yeah. Who knew? You guys have sussed it out. That's great. Uh, I knew if I really ran it through your prism or particular filter, <laughs> we would <laughs> suss these people out. It's almost Neil McCarthyism, the way we've operated. Uh, we'll let it go on that, because I thought it was silly uh, when I first read about it, but apparently there's some people very earnest about uh, seeing no black pumpkins for sale on Halloween, or turned into jack-o'-lanterns. Thank you both, Anthony Fury, Sun Papers National Columnist, Andrew Clark, Contributing Writer for the Globe and Mail. We'll do it again next time. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.